The views and opinions expressed on Analyze This are entirely those of the on-air participants and do not reflect those of the station's board, management, staff, or underwriters. Good morning, good morning, good morning out there, NPR listeners. I am Summer Sibley Brown filling in for The Neville James. He'd always say The Summer Sibley, but it's actually The Neville James as the host of Analyze This from WTJX 93.1, your NPR station in the Virgin Islands. I know Neville and his R's, right? So this is a first and last time this week I am filling in with his R. And he says that R is because he loves him some Rakim. Um, but I am happy to be on with you listeners. So, you know, I'm taking a moment of gratitude as you're driving into work, as you're sitting at your desk, you have me until November 4th. Um, so, you know, shout me out, call in when we give out the number, I'm going to be so excited to talk to you over the weekend. Seja Farms of the Virgin Islands hosted its fifth annual Bush Cook Chef Cook event. There was 25 chefs. There were two guest chefs um, from Kenya, one from two guest chefs by way of Kenya. And there was also one from Jamaica. Um, and they were here to showcase the territory's food security um, to talk about food sovereignty. Each chef was tasked with using traditional methods of cooking food, three stones hole in the ground, making your own oven, using a barbecue grill and a pit fire um, smoking their own trees right so that they could make smoked meats and finding every healthy way to prepare it when, yes I said smoking trees what I mean was smoking wood right that's, 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 that's smoking wood not trees I mean, but trees are wood. And anyway, and so in the studio um, this morning, we will have um, Chef Anthony Jigwa, who's one of our Kenyan chefs, and he's going to be here to reflect with me and talk a little bit about his program, Foodie Without Borders. He's in transport, and so I'm going to be, you're going to be hearing my voice for the next few minutes. And I, as I was driving and I thought something really interesting that I should do is maybe I should introduce myself to the listening audience. You know, like every time we do the candidate speaks, we'd be like, hey, do you know this person? Give them, you know, for the listeners who are hearing you for the first time. And um, I think, you know, maybe there's an assumption that many of you know who I am, but that's actually not true. Maybe you don't know who I am. So over the course of the next two weeks, I'm also going to try to introduce myself to you because we're so grateful that um, you trust me enough to listen and allow me to participate in this process of your morning talk radio. And we know talk radio is a routine for some people, right? You wake up, you jump in your car, you're in your house, you turn it on and the voices, the voices on the radio, you actually let into your home, right? And so I'm grateful that you're letting me into your home. You're letting me be a part of your day. So I figured we should get to know each other. Um, so besides my name, I know you hear it almost three times a week now when I am partnering with Neville on The Candidate Speaks. Um, I am Summer Sibley Brown. I am a Virgin Islander. Um, I was born in St. Thomas. I lived in St. Thomas till I was four, and then I moved to St. Croix, where I had the bulk of my education. I went to Good Shepherd. I went to St. Mary's. I went to St. Joseph. But ultimately, I graduated from Central High. That was like an, that was a, so I'm, so I am a Carib, and I'm really, really proud one. When I was in like 10th grade, I begged my dad. I was like, daddy, please, 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 please. I had a, this long private school career, 
and um, my best friend at the time was um she was moved she was attending she was leaving elena to go to central and i wanted to go to the same school that she did and so my parents acquiesced maybe i think they regretted that i mean moving from private school to public school was a shift but i did have one of the best um i think educational experiences in all of all of my schools here in the virgin islands um did some time at uvi did some time at walden university did some time at the university of phoenix and um, ultimately decided to, I was studying journalism, ironically, right? I'm on, so I said that to say, because last week Neville asked me like, Summer, what does it feel like to be a media personality? And I was like, media personality, is that what I am? And I kind of, I resonated and I was like, I would like to be a media personality. And I talked, I thought how much I enjoy being on air with him, being on air with you. I enjoy when WTJX invites me to host anything. Um, I really, really like talking. So I was just like, oh, is this what I'm becoming? And really reflecting back on that's where I actually started when I graduated high school. I was going to UVI um, for communications and journalism. Um, didn't quite make that. I left and I became... So my first real job was working for the University of the Virgin Islands Cooperative Extension Service. Um, children, youth, and families at risk programs. Shout out Sarah Dal Smith, who introduced me to 4-H. And um, I credit with building some of my, you know, that part of me that is innovative and really focuses on good work ethic. I, I learned that in, in corporate extension. Um, they are still part of my everyday family because I still do work in agriculture. Um, I left them and I moved to the States um, and I wanted to pursue a career in art. I thought I was going to be an actress. I have a flair for the dramatic. <laughs> and um, I decided that I wanted to become a massage therapist because um, I wanted to do something with health and wellness. And so I went to the Florida College of Natural Health where I became a massage therapist um, and an esthetician. Um, and I did that for a while and I got a phone call from Miss Gail Harris Perez. Um, and she was saying that there was an opening in the Department of Education for a young lady who needed physical therapy during her school day. And because I was a massage therapist, I would be able to take direction from a phys from her physical therapist and apply that during her school day so, so she could get the relief she needed. And that's how I came back home. I came back home to work as a paraprofessional um, who performed physical therapy and worked with a physical therapist to help a young lady who was wheelchair bound um make sure she was walking make sure you know it was it was a really was a really moving experience i worked at ricardo richards um and that's where at ricardo richards i was in the intermediate multi-age classroom and in that classroom i met some of the most dedicated in that building i met a really dedicated teachers and that's that was like level two of bumping up the ethic you know like ricardo richards was a school where you were there from seven in the man into sometimes seven at night and it wasn't because it was mandatory it was because people were really there doing what they needed to do um to get their classrooms ready you know their children were staying after after school with them so 
when we talk about our education system, there's many things that need to fix in it. But I also remember being a part of that system that had so many dedicated, committed workers. And Ricardo Richards is just one school, right? Just imagine we have eight elementary or had eight elementary schools on St. Croix at the time. Um, and in multi in the multi-age classroom is where I found my current job, which is being the founder and executive director of Virgin Islands Good Food Coalition. So I, when I am not on the radio with Neville talking to you, I am running a place-based nonprofit um, that is situated on St. Croix, but is striving to serve the territory. And what we do um, at Good Food is food security, food sovereignty, and food sustainability. We started in 2011 while I was still at Ricardo Richards, and then we were the Virgin Islands Farm to School Initiative. I have the pleasure of serving as the national board chair for the Farm to School Network, which is a big deal. Um, At least for me, I am the first person who is a non-contiguous member who is leading a national network. Um, and we have a lot of that here. Um, Yvette Brown, she's the national board chair of SAFON, which is another really great national organization serving socially disadvantaged farmers in the South. Um, I say that to say, Neville always talks about the greatness that comes from the Virgin Islands. And that legacy is being continued in many, many areas by many, many Virgin Islanders. Um, I'm just talking about my small role in any of it. This morning, um, I am married. I have a wonderful stepson who is like a bonus son, and he is amazing. Um, Listen, I gave myself in trouble this morning. I look at, you know, I'm just like, ah... You know, I have I have my work husbands who are who are the men in my life who help me ensure that I get anything done. And you notice I said S. Real husband is okay with the work support from the phenomenal men in this community who who help me do the things that I need to do. Um, many of them farmers. And I'm I'm you know, I'm saying all of this because I feel like in our community, when you hear a voice and you hear a voice repeatedly, you as an individual have to assess, right, as a listener. How do I trust this voice, right? I mean, I'm 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 on here, like giving all my opinions about who, what we should look for as in a, in the electorate, what we should do as a community, and I and I and I'm really very free with my opinions. And I was like this morning, I was like, I wonder, you know, is it? I wonder if the community knows me, right? Knows like when I'm hearing Summer, what is her motivation? What is her intention? Where? What is her background? What qualifies her to? To share, and um, I, I, I challenge that what qualifies any of us to share um, courageously and boldly is that we are citizens of the Virgin Islands. It is one of our rights to be able to hopefully positively um, share our truths without tearing each other down, but naming, you know, calling a spade a spade. We have that right as citizens, um, not, you know, not encouraging, attacking each other, but we need to be in the real conversations with each other. And I'm privileged to have my real conversations on a very um, established and large reaching platform. And I was like, I, I, I want the listeners to to be able, just like I'm asking you to think critically 
about who you elect or think critically about these really intractable I believe it was um, Senator Novel Francis in his interview who called it vexing. These vexing problems that we have. And I'm saying we should be considering what we do with education. We, do, we need to look into WAP and, and we're throwing these opinions around. Uh, you, you should also critically think about, hmm, the, does this person um, align with my values as a, as a radio host, right? Because not every, you know, talk radio is a powerful, is a powerful medium. And it's also one where you should be discerning. So I'm just like, meet me today. And um, you, you will continue to meet me as I'm hopefully on air here every day, every weekday until Neville returns on November 4th. Um, but I'm hoping that that little intro this morning was helpful to you. Um, Chef Anthony is going to be here any minute. Um, I'm trying to think, what else could I share? Oh, most critical, right? I also serve. Um, so yes, I have like 80 jobs. So outside of being um, a founder and executive director um, and running my nonprofit, I serve on the nonprofit consortium, St. Croix Foundation's nonprofit consortium advisory board. So I'm a huge advocate for funding the civic sector. You'll hear it in my questions. I really believe that um, in a place where there is no municipal government, nonprofits serve critical functions. Frederick's FHC is a nonprofit. It is filling in the huge gap in our health care, right? So I am an advocate for appropriately funding the civic sector. Um, and then I'm a huge fan of systems change. So I work as a part-time consultant for, or I worked as a part-time consultant for a company called The Outside. And The Outside is a small engine of like maybe 13 amazing people from all over the world who have come together to serve and help people build and address systems, levels, problems with equity at the center. Um, and I took that job not because I needed it, but is because, well, I did need it. I took that job not for the money, though the money was helpful. I took the job because I was trying to understand we have so many issues in the Virgin Islands that have been here for 20, 30, 40 years. And I felt like we were addressing them at the wrong level. We are addressing them at the people level. And while people, we, while in our systems we have people problems, if we keep replacing people, right? If you replace someone, you put another host. If you replace that host and you put another host and the station still having the same problem, then the problem might not be the person, or at least not singularly the person, but the conditions in which the higher level patterns in which that system is set up to function. So I really wanted to begin to understand what is it, what are the conditions and what are the issues and what is really holding these problems in place. And so I love um, systems approach. I love systems thinking. Um, I am not an expert in it, but it 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 did drive... Um, Hopefully, a lot of what you probably hear in when I speak, it's like inquiry and layering because nothing, Neville Ward last week was nuanced. It's nuanced, right? Nothing is as simple as we think it is, right? Um, and while we're seeking sometimes simple answers work, um, we, we really need to look at the complexity that's out there. So while we wait for, so that was me. So while we wait for Chef Anthony, let me let me prime you for the event this weekend or what we're about to talk about. Bush Cook, Chef Cook, 
was amazing. The fifth annual, I was there. I went to all three days. Um, the first day was a community day. And in that community day, they had it open. Um, there were field trips for children. Fredericksted Healthcare Center was out there. There was three chef demonstrations on how to prep different meats. There was, you know, um, regular health screening. Um, there was, I think, the Department of Health. Shout out for dropping off hand washing stations. Um, and they were also like helping people understand how you could use WIC and your SNAP benefits to purchase local food at local farmer's markets. Then the big day, the, the day we're about to talk about when Chef Anthony gets here, um, we're going to talk about the 25 chefs that participated in this all day food competition where, you know, I mean, I, I ate so much right and it's these small portions but like by person number six you're filled um where they had all these different types of meats and the meats were prepared differently um it was a real vibe you know the dj general shout out played amazing music had the vibe on point until cool session came on there was i mean I just saw families coming in and out. So it was a really, 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 really fabulous day. And I want to save some of those details from when he gets on. And then lastly, there was like a, like a sit down five course, six course meal that happened last night. Oh, you know, Bush Cook, Chef Cook is for me though. It's the one place where we see the 98% import rate really reversed, right? There is, we always hear people say, oh, we don't import 98% of our food. We don't import 98% of our food. True. Um, but this shows us, this event shows us what it looks like when you're eating 98% local and 2% imported. The pantry that um, the Browns set up, you know, shout out Sage of Farms of the Virgin Islands. The pantry is the 2%. It's all local meat. It's all local produce. It, it, it is whatever is available. That event supports, like, you're eating from the territory. You're eating food that has been brought over from St. Thomas, St. John. You're eating food that represents about 20 chefs i mean 20 farmers and um so it's it's one of the more and most powerful for me as a food systems advocate it's one of the more powerful events because it's the place where we show what we can do we talk about what we haven't done bush cook chef cook demonstrates what we can do it's putting the like do you know it's a it's a test it's here's all the meats here's all the ingredients make delicious food and remind people remind people that eating locally is not just good for you and good for our economy and it's healthier but it's possible and it's not possible 20 years from now it is possible now we have to start at scale Right. We have to start at scale. I'm not saying we'll be able to switch everything, but we should be doing what we can do because that's where the increase is going to come from. And so that is the that for me is why I love Bush Cook Chef Cook. I have attended every year um, and I choose to be a supporter. And we will be back banking for your business. At Bank of St. Croix, our mobile apps provide access to business accounts on the go. And our merchant card services accept credit and debit payments anywhere, anytime. Plus, the online banking platform means your bank is always open. Bank of St. Croix has two locations. 
one in Gallows Bay at 340-773-8500 and one in Peter's Rest at 340-713-8500. BankofStCroix.com. The VI Energy Office and the University of the Virgin Islands Caribbean Green Technology Center are hosting the first VI Energy Fair. There will be outdoor live demonstrations, interactive workshops, and leaders from the community will be on site to discuss what the territory is doing to reduce energy costs. The fair will be held at the UVI campuses from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. on St. Thomas on October 15th and on St. Croix on October 30th. For more information about the energy fair, cgtc-usvi.org forward slash energy fair. Papa, why can't we telegraph while riding a horse? Son, there ain't no one to blame but Jeffro. He was riding old Betsy the Stallion, tip-tapping away at his telegraph, when blam, ran right into the side of the saloon. Well, if Jeffro can't do it, neither should you. Don't text and drive. Visit StopTextStopRex.org. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. Amo tanto a mi hija que me pasé tres horas bajo la lluvia para ver a su equipo perder por 18 goles. Amo tanto a mi hija que una vez usé un aspirador para sacarle los mocos a las 3 de la madrugada. Ganaste. ¿Amas a tus hijos? Ámalos lo suficiente como para asegurarte de que están sentados en el asiento correcto del automóvil conforme a su edad y tamaño. Visita nhtsa.gov diagonal protegidos. Manténlos a salvo. Visita nhtsa.gov diagonal protegidos. Presentado por la National Highway Traffic Safety Administration y el Ad Council. We are back, and Chef Anthony Jigua is in the house. Good morning, Chef. Yeah, good morning. Good morning, Summers. How are you doing today? I am doing wonderful. So for the listening audience, let me tell you, Chef Anthony Jigua is here. He is from Kenya, but right now he's here by way of Boston. And he came to attend um, the fifth annual Bush Cook Chef Cook. So I want to jump straight in. Chef Anthony, tell me, why did you say yes to Bush Cook Chef Cook? Why was that important to you? Uh, well, uh, first of all, I just want to thank everybody who has been part of uh, the uh, Bush Cook, Chef Cook. Um, to me, um, I came to, um, you know, get the info. I got the information about uh, Bush Cook, Chef Cook when we came here as a delegation of chefs from BCA Global, which is a, um, a cohort of sh- uh, black chefs in, in the mainland that uh, was uh, founded by the Hilton Foundation. And when we came here during the tours of the island that you gave us, you brought us to Seja Farms, and we connected with Mr. and Mrs. Brown, and uh, um, you know they told us about the event, and also you mentioned about it. And um, back back in uh, in the mainland in, in Boston, you know in the summer I do a lot of cooking, um, in festivals, you know music festivals. So and I knew the work that you guys were doing there was very important. So I said I'm, I'm going to come back one way or another, and here I am this weekend. One of uh, the uh, one of the great weekends I've ever had. You know, where I've met a lot of positive people, learned a lot of new information, and also ate some great uh, great food from all over the island. Ate some great food from all over the island, and also you prepared some great food because um, Chef Anthony didn't just visit. 
he came and he participated so like he got off the plane right and he jumped straight in tell me tell 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 me what you prepared this weekend um this weekend i tried to um uh, i i requested um the farm to uh have the uh the goat you know um was all prepped and ready for me um and also i had a couple chickens that i i did um and uh the way i did it was i just uh you know did a, a kenyan style uh, it's called nyamachoma which translates to like burnt meat so um that's something that i grew up um you know eating and cooking so i i approached it that way and uh, i think i got some uh, good reception from uh christians out here it's a different style uh cooked on an open flame um mostly people in the caribbean here they either bury or do like a barbecue type of uh um you know longer cooking times so i just did it the way we did it we do we do it back in kenya and as i said the reception was great and as for the chicken we just did mostly stews and um uh, different spices um and i actually brought some spices with me you did bring a special mix he, <laughs> yes. he does that you came off the plane with a special mix yes, yes. um chef anthony and i have obviously talked before yes uh, so i I want to highlight or I want to ask you on air. Tell me what is it about St. Croix? Yes. That drew you back when we first met? Yes. You said to me this feels familiar. What does that mean? Yes, uh you know, having lived in uh, um in New England for 25 years, um I I go to Africa back and forth, but obviously it's quite a distance, so it's not frequent. So when I came here I was extremely pleasantly surprised how it looked familiar to Kenya the topography the weather obviously um and most important the people here that I've, I've met were extremely positive and encouraging in you know so I was like you know if there's an event that's going on here that brings all these people that I've been meeting individually together I have to come and when I came back it certainly did not disappoint and um you know i'm gonna make this my own personal pilgrimage you know so the 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 the, the farming uh bush cook chef cook is something that i want to be involved in you know past cooking and be part of it essentially and hopefully we can translate some of that what i've learned here even into africa where we can give farmers opportunities mm. to showcase their their stuff because there's nothing like that in Kenya so that's uh, 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 one thing that I was talking to Mr. Brown and Mr. Brown and you guys that you know could in the very near future assist us to start a similar program like that so i for me what excites me is every time i speak to you chef anthony you talk about the st croix kenya connection yes and the ways we can make something real across you know the diaspora and the motherland home where so many of us um as pe people of african descent yes. right we may not know where we come from but we know we come from africa yes and like reconnecting back and reconnecting back through food is a really really powerful medium for me um i want to ask you you on friday you cooked yes. with you you served as a coach yes um to two of our youth here who are in a cooking competition tell me about that experience well that uh, i'll probably say that was my highlight for the weekend um 
just being able to see um, young men and women, you know, you know, young kids. Uh, I usually uh, I have a nonprofit that I I work with children, but they're much older. They're more like towards the young adults, but I've never really worked with uh, uh, this type, uh, the, this age of between 11 and 14. I have a I have a 10 year old and a 13 year old, so it really connected with me to see how they were lighting up. You know, their eyes light up as we did. You know, the uh, the cooking together and came up with little strategies on how to finish on time and how to divide the labor and. As a team, we had a great presentation that um, actually impressed the judges. We didn't win, but everybody, I feel everybody there was a winner because the kids did the job. Uh, and, and, and you can tell that they, they, they'll go a, you know, a long way when it comes to the culinary arts and um, uh, be part of the, you know, enrich and add more layers to the St. Uh, um, uh food system by being uh, responsible chefs who work with farmers directly so that was really really powerful for young kids to be exposed to something very positive very early and i'm part i'm, I'm very i'm very blessed to be part of that so it's it's um when you live in a small place and i don't know if this happens in kenya yeah. right but good news travels fast yes. right i mean and so by the end of the day on Friday, yes. I had received a text which was a picture of you okay. and two children. And and Sarah Smith said to me, "Chef Anthony's back." Yeah. Um, and so I think just to share with you, I think that the teachers of those students were really impressed um, in how you supported that. And I want to share that with you. Um, oh, wow. I want to also ask you about the T-shirt that you have on. It says "Foodies Without Borders." What is what is that about? Yes. Yeah, so. So Foodies Without Borders is uh, a nonprofit that I I, I founded. Uh, it's registered it's registered in Boston, and um, we you know Foodies Without Borders uh, works with young men and women in Kenya, but we teach them how to um, you know we introduce them to culinary skills as well as farming skills. You know, so the way we do it, we do it through volunteerships and um, through uh, you know, people who have uh, um, skills, you know, chefs who are already working. So uh, our, primarily, our primary goal is to re reduce unemployment from the, you know, within the youth population of Africa and Kenya in particular by giving them self um, uh, skills that are, uh, will help them scale up and start their own businesses, but food related. But also because Kenya is an agricultural country, but as well as a tourism country. So that's the similarity that I see with uh, St. Croix. So those two, um, farming and hospitality industry, unfortunately, most of the young people are left out hmm. from, from that kind of industry or sector of the economy uh, due to lack of skills, due to um, just, um, um, I would say, government not being... Uh, in tune with what the young people are asking for. So we try to come in with our skills that we have here in the United States and what we do for work here mm -hmm. and kind of share those skills or transfer those skills to them. And we support them with equipment, with uh, knowledge, and with and also with money. Okay. And they start their own, uh, uh, um, their own outfits. So to... 
one of your goals, if I'm hearing you clearly, is to ensure that young people find one meaningful work that they can build lives off of um, and taking the skills that you have and transferring them back home, giving back to Kenya to fill that gap. Um, when you said, you know, the government is a little bit out of touch in understanding where youth fit, that doesn't seem like a that you know that doesn't seem like a Kenyan problem. It seems like a world, you know, like a global, a global phenomenon where it's like we have young people who are a little bit displaced yeah. in in where the current system fits them and not really addressing their needs. So when you said that, that was like, you know, like the um. It went off in my head, bells and fireworks, because it's like that. I think is something that resonates at least with me. Um, I don't know if it resonates with the listening audience, but we really have to put our energy towards making sure what is the space we're creating for young people, and what is the space we're creating with young people within food. Yes. Um, let me ask you: How would Foodies with Borders connect, or does it? Can it connect with the U.S. Virgin Islands? Well. Um at first, I mean, first, uh, I would say the, you know, we have, you know, my projects are based uh, at a, you know, in coastal Kenya, so Indian Ocean is right in front of, uh, yeah, it's right in front of us, you know, uh, in, in where my projects are based at. So, the the problems that people who live within coastal areas, islands, are pretty much mirrored with each other. So there's, you know heavy tourism, a lot of money coming in, but usually, usually the, um, yeah, usually the, um, um, the, um, you know, the tourist, the tourist sector, mostly, you know, the people are left out of the economy most of the time. And, you know, that's due to, um, you know, a lack of skills, lack of, um, um, lack of skills, lack of, uh, you know resources. Sometimes their property is, 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 is you know, it's confiscated to build hotels and stuff mm. like that, and they truly have nowhere to go. So, having a skill makes you be able to be marketable in a thriving economy that you've been cut out of. So, for me, the relationship with uh, St. Croix is basically I see us learning from each other from. The farmers who are here, they're doing great work. They're organized. Uh, back in Kenya, we hope we can have something like that that's grassroots and organic. And, and moving forward, I hope that we can uh, um, even explore more exp uh, possibilities between the two countries or the two uh, regions. Um, so I think one of the things that I want to highlight is you and I had a conversation, not this trip, last trip, about restaurant ownership, right? Um, who owns businesses where? How is How are we ensuring that there is space to allow the skills that you impart to young people to actually build and turn them not just into workers in the hospitality industry, but owners of the hospitality industry and have the food and the culture of a place reflected in its small business structure in meaningful ways, right? It's not just about creating jobs for our young people. It's about creating long pathways of yes. ownership that keep culture, that keep identity, that place keeping 
while we're doing economic development like why don't the restaurants in hotels reflect you know like that anchor restaurant in a hotel should reflect our food like what that is what people are coming to experience they're coming to St. Croix to experience St. Croix why is it so hard to find Cruzian food do you find that in Kenya yes it's um it's very prevalent and it, you know i it drives me crazy sometimes when i go out there and see people uh, who are sometimes who want to connect with uh, with kenya who live you know abroad and when they come to kenya they have the same issue they can't find food you know you know if it's not home cooked for them by their family they can't go out there and get like local food you know um you know, within the resorts where they're staying. So they have to come out of the resort. So, yeah, we, it's really, really, um, it's a problem worldwide that we want to be part of uh, the solution. So, um, yeah, um, yeah, we get, we, we, we have a, a, a history of, you know, as you say, people who, uh, the natives of that land, the indigenous people of that land, being cut off from jobs and, consequently being cut off from even what they grow. So a lot of the people there, the farms, um, uh, don't have, you know, don't have enough uh, people who have, you know, skills, you know, again, the government used to back then would would bring uh, government officials to help with um, keeping the farmers at bay, what's happening, what's trending, you know, how, what to plant. You know, there was a lot of information, but that has, is no longer the case. So we would need organization that can build you know uh, a farmers coalition that can make a difference to those farmers because after all we're the ones who uh, you know we, we need the food you know well well grown and sustainably so that we can actually thrive so know? we're gonna go to a break soon but and i say not because i want to prep the listening audience because what yes. you just said anchors the whole reason for Bush Cook, Chef Cook, yes. anchors the whole reason, I believe, for Foodies Without Borders yes. and Virgin Islands Good Food. The fact that this, there, there has been a systematic approach to yes. marginalizing farmers or small farmers um, globally, because I'm talking to a chef from Kenya, right? So this is not summer complaining about St. Croix. We're looking at globally yes. people being, small farms being cut out of the food system in really meaningful ways. And as we talk about supply chain, and as we talk about how we keep you fed in your individual household, yeah. right? When that That's why it boils down to yeah. the food you have in your refrigerator or in your cabinet farmers play a role and this is not just a St. Croix problem so when we come back from break we're going to kind of dive into food security and sovereignty Um, see you when we get back
journalists located all around the world, the BBC World Service can cover international stories when they happen, wherever they happen. Global news you can trust from the BBC World Service. Starting at 2 a.m. right here on WTJX FM 93.1. Funding for the BBC World Service comes from First Bank. First Bank's digital bank offers check deposits, bill pay, transfers, and more from anywhere 24-7. More at onefirstbank.com. El sistema de elecciones de las Islas Vírgenes lo está haciendo más fácil para que tú formes parte de nuestro equipo por medio de nuestro programa de voluntarios. Estamos en busca de personas buenas como tú que puedan proveer a cada votante el apoyo que necesitan para que efectivamente puedan participar en el proceso de votación. Puede comenzar recogiendo y completando la aplicación para voluntarios de cualquiera de nuestras oficinas en el territorio. Usted puede servir como monitor. También tienes la opción de convertirte en un facilitador, asegurando que los votantes que están votando por primera vez, los envejecientes y la comunidad de deshabilitados puedan votar con confidencia y acertadamente. Si tienes el tiempo y estás dispuesto a servir, hay un lugar para ti. Solo inscríbete. Si quieres más información, llama al 340-773-1021. Y recuerda, el votar no es solo su derecho, es lo correcto hacer. Parents, have you struggled with finding safe spaces for your children to meet up and learn through play and social interaction? Teen Time at the VI Children's Museum offers fun family learning for children ages 12 to 18 years old. A free program for all participants. For dates and information, 340-643-0366 or teentime at vichildrensmuseum.org. I hope you all can hear me smiling um, because these are the kinds of conversations that just make my brain like just sparkle. Um, you are listening to 93.1 WTJX FM. I am on with Chef Anthony Jigwa. He is giving us um, the download of why he chose to participate in the fifth annual Bush Cook Chef Cook. Um, we're talking about how the similarities of Kenya and St. Croix are important. And he said something that not just made my mind go off, but other people in the studio, he used the word pilgrimage, right? Yes. And so we kind of wanted to capture, right? Pilgrimage, when you think of pilgrimage, you think of, of something, you're going someplace to get something, something special from that place. It's a journey in which you are elevating or learning. And you said you want to make a pilgrimage. You're going to make this your pilgrimage back to St. Croix. Talk to me about why. <laughs> yeah, um, I know pilgrimage, big word, but I mean it. And I, I put that standard to myself. You know, I want to be back here because the uh, work that the farmers and organizations around the farmers, the work that's being done here, it's incredible. It inspires me. The people inspire me out here. Um, the, um, the food... You know, the food is just amazing. So for me, being in the mainland and the proximity of St. Croix, being, you know, uh, it's, 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 it's reachable, it's, it's not too far. 
Mm. For me, it's just so obvious that, you know, I will be coming. I mean, why not? I mean, why should I not be coming here? You know, I, you know, everybody here that I've met since I've been here, this is my second time, have been positive. I've uh, shared a lot of information that I didn't have that has helped me in my nonprofit and also has given me an insight on how when we come together as a people, we can make change, you know. And to me, I came here the first time and I've been talking about St. Croix like I, I was born here, <laughs> you know. But, yes. But it's just just the vision that, you know, that, you know, the farmers' organizations in, on the islands that have, you know, the hard work they've put, you know, to help farmers increase their yields, increase their markets, and also, you know, the vision that they have that one day St. Croix can have full sovereignty, you know, without depending on uh, food that comes from outside, that we have no clue where it comes from. Mm. And those, those, uh, um, this affects families and, and, and people individually. And it's not only happening here in Africa, it's the same thing. We are agricultural based most countries, but we are moving away from that. And we have to do the work to stop that happening. You so, know, um, and I'm learning it from here. Wow. So for um, Garnet Silk have a song. Yes. He said, um, they belly full, but them starving. Yes. Right. Um, they have a lot and still wanting. Yes. He's talking about a spiritual. He's talking about in, in that song. He's referring to that spiritual ideal of like emptiness. Yes. But when we talk about agriculture and we talk about countries that are producing food. Yes. But people are still hungry. That that to me is a real, real thing. When we think about agriculture that is predicated on an export market to create a GDP, a gross domestic product that drives, quote unquote, economic stability for the country. But the quality of life that the people live in the country, the quality of health and the quality of food is not there Um that almost seems unconscionable to me. It is. Um, when we live in a territory, um, for me, this is my view, last remaining, some of the last remaining colonies, right? And 98% of what we eat is determined by forces outside of us. You said it. We don't know where it's coming from. We don't know what's in it. Um, and we haven't taught people really the nutrition aspects of food to look at what's in it. It, it's a potentially dangerous situation, right? The amount of trust that we place in food, but we have farmers right here that we could see what they're doing. You could go on the farm. You could touch them. You could feel them. You could be, uh, if you wanted, you could be a part of getting your food to the plate and have control. And it's like, there's a population of people that are not even engaging with that. What do you, you know, is that your experience in Kenya or in Boston? Yes. Um, you know, it's living on the mainland, you know, trying to be sustainable, eating well is expensive and out of reach. So, and most people who are people, you know, don't, and I say are people, black and brown people, don't have access to top quality food. So in Boston, it is a problem. So food is a problem everywhere. But in Africa as well, we have tracts of lands no one is um, 
um, able to cultivate and grow things because some of these lands have been destroyed from uh, previous use of mono, you know, um, mono, uh, monocropping and um, fatal, you know, a lot of uh, pesticides that have been sprayed. You know, like Kenya is a big coffee producing country and it used to give people money, but at what expense? Mm. So now they are no longer, a lot, a lot of people are no longer interested in coffee what, because they're hungry because you can't really eat coffee. You know, just give you money, but it's no longer even yielding because the pesticides have really destroyed the land. So we need these farmers, these farmers who are passionate because within Kenya, there's young farmers who are very passionate, but they need to be supported. And what I saw here in St. Croix, what you guys are doing, supporting the farmers, I think that most St. Croatians should join this fight because it's, you know, it's, you know, food security is a real thing or insecurity for that matter. And mm-hmm. I know it firsthand, you know, being in Kenya where I'm from, I was just telling my, my brother here, who's with me in studio, that where my parents grew, grew at, you know, it's Mount Kenya region, which is, you know, very, very, very lush and fat, fertile back then. But for the first time in Kenya, they actually are getting food assistance because there's drought, you know. So, you know, it's a, it's an, it's a concerted effort of, um, you know, the, the, the people who live there, the outside organizations, to come together and stop it because I cannot ima- I cannot imagine um, that area becoming you know food insecure, but it is happening. Mm. So I can only imagine the other places that have always had historically food insecurity. You know, must be really bad. Right now in Kenya, in the north of Af- uh, Horn of Africa, which is the three countries: Somalia, Kenya, Ethiopia. There is a drought that's going on. You know, it's been three years, but people seem to not feel it because they just go to the supermarket and buy processed food that's coming in and they don't farm they're just like okay i'll do whatever other type of work i have the money go buy food in the you know uh supermarket and what i'm afraid is even just the skill of you know uh, farming is you know it's being lost literally you know so i want to highlight i want to connect our listening audience back. So the Virgin Islands has been in a long-standing drought, right? And we are in drought now, but we look outside and because we see green, mm. we're not thinking about our watersheds, yes. our water table, how it's recharging. We're not thinking about the impact to the invisible farmer. Yes. We're not thinking because today is a seemingly beautiful day, it's a great beach day, yes. that they are, there are impacts um, you mentioned you mentioned monocrop agriculture. So for our listening audience, monocrop agriculture is when you take one field, um, you plant one specific crop, and you use that same crop on that field over and over and over. You are killing the biodiversity, right? That is that is how you know that is the agricultural engine that large scale agriculture uses but in smaller places and hopefully in most places sustainable and regenerative agriculture is what we should be thinking about we should be intercropping we should be planting um ecologically sound ways we should be limiting pesticide use because pesticides have an effect on the land and the water table which many of the farmers 
used to then get well water to farm and it and and they have an effect on our human bodies right and then the last thing i wanted to highlight that you said the skill of farming i think that we forget that farmers are scientists farmers are engineers farmers are architects farmers are um master master masons a lot because and that is proven to get to pass your to get your agricultural certification you have to have like seven different trades in order to be certified so i'm not saying it like um oh these are what farmers know they really are they have to understand soil science they have to understand water science they have to understand entomology pest right they might not call it that but they really are PhDs out here running around growing your food. Um, and I'm so glad that you brought that up because it's not just scary for here. Supply chain is breaking down. There's a war in Ukraine now. I think people don't understand what that means for the convenience of a grocery store. And a recession. <laughs> the recession. And, you know, so here in the Virgin Islands, this is my take. I wish Neville was here to really do numbers, mm-hmm. but it feels like when there's a when something happens in the United States, it takes about five to seven years for those impacts to really trickle down mm-hmm. and like for Virgin Islanders to feel it. I feel like first of all that window's closing the amount of time. Mm-hmm. But usually what that means is that we're also outside the window of direct help. Yes. Because nobody's talking about the recession anymore by the time we are in the recession. They've already moved on. Their life has changed. And as a community of black and brown people, then we become a little bit invisible to the assistance. Or I feel like our leaders are just like one inch off the mark of hitting it when you're happening. So what you're talking about is a progressive approach. I have one more question I want to ask you. Um, you talked about working with kids and that you work with young adults and that this experience um, brought you to work with younger adults. Do you think you're going to include that in some of your work moving forward? I certainly will. It was eye-opening and uh, I actually have this mantra now that they're never never too young to teach them how to be self-reliant and to actually collaborate. So you know, chefs and farmers, I think, are best friends. And we can make that, you know, uh, you know, in places that are, have insecurity of food. If you just give that spark to these young people, you know, and, and you know, chefing can be glamorized, you know, in, in, in you know, food networks and stuff like that, you know, celebrity chefs. We want to go beyond that and just be more like a visionaries, you know, chefs can be, as you say, farmers or scientists, you know, we want chefs to also be seen as these people who have this, um, you know, power to persuade people to come mm. together. Uh, just like we had uh, the dinner yesterday at Sajja Farms, That's a big up to Sajja Farms for putting that together and just bringing that collective of people who have the same goal and who have a, a wider reach to their families, to beyond their families. That is the only way we can spread this message, you know, just being uh, a few people who are passionate is good, but not good enough. We need to keep on pushing and pushing. So the, we start with the kids. Kids can, are, are, are very convincing. So I saw, I, I was working uh, with parents who was, uh, alongside the kids and the parents were very excited about it to see their kids being excited about it as well. So. I definitely will incorporate um, younger kids 
in my programs. Um, and um, as I said, um, kids definitely, you know, are the future. So, hmm. and farmers are the ones holding the fort from between starving and actually surviving to not being uh, around for a while. So farmers definitely are the uh, are the backbone, in my opinion, the backbone of a country or a region. <laughs> Imagine that farmers being the backbone of a region. Um, farmers are the soldiers holding that gate yeah, yeah. open. I have, you mentioned bringing something like this to Kenya, yes, right? Yes. Um, in our closing moments, uh, what is your what is your vision and what it, would it take? What support would you need to actually do that, make that connection happen? Well, number one, I would say, you know, again, for most people, especially our communities, brown, you know, black and brown people, you know, the seeing is believing kind of thing. So I would like to bring um, a few uh, youths that I work with, you know, even to the island here, all the way from to see the work being done here and vice versa, you know. Um, you know, a lot of... Uh, food, um, you know, the, the, like food is without borders, right? So people are getting interested in food in Kenya, like around the world. But the approach that they have is the, the glamorized part of it. Mm. You know, the, once the plate, the food is on the, you know, on the plate and looks nice. But they don't really ask about the backstory, how the food came to them on the table. So that's what I want to have people follow the food. So from, from farm to table, so for me, I use other alterations like from seed to plate, you know. So wow, yeah. So things like you know. So I want people to uh, my you know how I can be supported is you know if you see a pop up anywhere that's being done locally by farmers or a local chef who's using the right ingredients, please go support it. You know, try and eat at a pop up instead of. Uh, a restaurant once in a while and if it's a restaurant that's doing great work go for, you know please support it thank you so much chef anthony jigwa it is a pleasure to be in studio with you i look forward for when you're back we'll do another interview thank you very much so much for having me The views and opinions expressed on Analyze This are entirely those of the on-air participants and do not reflect those of the station's board, management, staff, or underwriters. Good morning, neighbor. I see you got your bumper stickers and your sign up only. Yes, I'm so ready for this election season. Me too. Just waiting for the info on the polling places and then ballots. What polling places? You mean voting centers? The election system is using voting centers this year, where you can go anywhere across the island, walk in, fill out a ballot. Just bring your ID. Really? Because my daughter lives in Tutu, but walk all the way by the airport and would try to run back home before the sun goes down to vote. Nope, you're no longer stuck to just your neighborhood on election day. Voting centers mean you can vote anywhere in your district. And the next time, try the early voting option too. Skip the line altogether on election day. Girl, you have all the good tips this year, man. So, who's going to win? 
Ah, read my yard sign. Then pick any voting center. Just remember, voting is not just your right. It's, it's the, the right, right thing, thing to do. A message from the election system of the Virgin Islands.